This podcast is brought to you by Glitterati Communications. Learn more about Glitterati at BeGlitterati.com. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Our Pays Me. Today we have Dominique. So Dominique, what is it that you do? Uh, hey, uh, I'm a singer-songwriter from Toronto, amongst other things. Did you uh, grow up in Toronto? I did. I was born and raised in downtown Toronto, um, like literally near Queen West. So I'm pretty much as downtown as one can get. But I, uh, I grew up traveling quite a bit. So I've lived in many places and countries and cities. And But Toronto will always be home. Uh, so you're like a real genuine city kid. Jeez. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, if you name any street down, actually, no, I'm not going to do this because then people challenge me, but <laughs> I was, I lived in the Toronto before, um, like Queen West and Bathurst and Queen and a lot of the places that are being kind of redeveloped were like the original. So yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely know Toronto. So did you grow up around like electric circuits and all that or were you too little to to be outside for that? I was too little to be outside for that, but I was still outside for that. <laughs> so, but yes, I was I was around um, for Electric Circus. I had like some of my older cousins were actually on the show and I would just watch them and then try to, to sneak out with my cousins and my siblings. So absolutely. And much music when when you could kind of still go in and they had all the programming there. I remember it. And when um, Scotiabank theater was paramount like the real the real paramount i still yeah. want to call it that that's kind of <laughs> and the sky dome um yeah oh man what a time i i that had me wanting to move to toronto i just wanted to be in that that scene the like electric circuit like the much music space or literally literally just electric circus i know it's pathetic but like i used to just watch it and be like yeah i want to live there it's really not pathetic electric circus was a whole vibe it was amazing so <laughs> i get it and i endorse this wanting <laughs> uh, okay okay cool cool so i'm not not that weird all right nice so so i get that you were a little bit rebellious would you say that as a youngster I was curious. I think curious is a good word. You know what? That's and that is a good word. I mean, I I think that's what we are as artists. I think we're just more curious than other people in some ways. Yeah, and I, I feel like you just have to be. It's like I was just weird growing up. I I don't know how to explain anything beside being weird. Like I could just <laughs> walk into a space and imagine it as being something completely different than what it was or I really didn't even need friends like at school I, I, I had friends but on my own I could literally have a book or have anything around me and I could just sit there for hours and just become creative so I had to figure out a way to channel my um, 
artistry is one word being eccentric was another and just kind of figuring out how to become okay with not fitting in Mm. that's where being curious had to (laughs) to come into play i guess yeah so how did you i mean this might be a weird question but like you know it just sort of happens organically for most people i guess but is there a point where you're like well i can like sing better than everybody else I mean, I don't know if if I'll, I've ever hit a point where I've been like, I can sing better than everyone else. But I, I think that I hit a point where I realized that there was something going on that uh, could allow me to do it for a living. And I think the first time that I, I was really like, okay, there's something here. I was, how old was I when I did my first, my first show? So I did a show called The Grace Project Sick. It's a, it was nominated for Dora, and it was a, a documentary theater show that took about 15 Canadians just from across Canada and got them to tell their story. And the show was just all about talking about societal norms that are actually problems. Oh. And I, I got my start in music through theater. Um, I was always singing and writing poems, but I really started getting on stage and getting comfortable through just getting selected to perform for a bunch of different like youth programs in some of the bigger theaters across Toronto. And this one show, I kind of went in and, you know, talked about my experiences growing up, uh, being predominantly someone or one of the only people that looked like me in the spaces that I'd go into. And they wanted to kind of take the stories and put it on stage. But I wrote a song called Free and it was on my last EP or my first EP called Playhouse. And I performed that and the show and the song was like nominated for Adora, but also um, I got scouted from someone um, by someone from the Raptors off of that song. I think I was like 17 or 16 when, when that happened. But I think that there's a moment when you're on stage where you, you just can feel that you just have everyone's attention and it's, it's not even like, Oh, everyone's just like looking at me. It's kind of like, these lyrics and this music that I'm singing right now, for whatever reason, um, I am drawing an energy from every single person in the room and it's doing something more than just allowing them to listen, but it's actually impacting them. And so I feel like that was probably one of the biggest points earlier on that I can say that I remember when I was like, okay, like this song means something. And you wrote this song when you were like 15 and you just came on stage and were selected to perform it but you're now in a show that's going to tour and do really big things so I think like as artists and what I'm learning is you kind of get an instinct and an inkling that you're doing something impactful and then you get in a space where you actually are impacting people and then opportunities start to show up and then that's when you realize that it's like it's not only just about me putting out my art but like when you're putting things out the universe kind of works and does its magic and brings other opportunities to you so Hmm. I want to want to jump into that, but I'm trying to figure out what's the best place to start. So um, you're saying something that's actually that I've been trying to remind myself of, and, and it's the putting stuff out and making things without necessarily expecting something, I guess, but like something actually does end up happening while you're putting it out or after you put it out, I guess. Uh, mm. It's it's a weird thing that we go through. Like, 
for instance, I, I've, I see a lot of people say they want to be an artist or they want to do this or they want to do that, but they don't actually do anything. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's very common. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? I, there are some of us that are able to act on it and uh, I feel like, and actually let me let you finish your question because I don't know if you asked me. Well, I, it was less of a question, more of an observation of like, um, like, is it that thing of, you know, the actual process of doing the work as an artist is what actually brings us more opportunities? You know, it's it's like you can't just be dope because uh, I know I'm I know I'm talented. I know I'm dope. So give me opportunities. It's like, no, nah, you got to actually make dope things. People have to know about it. And then the opportunities come and it's hard to to invest that time for some people before knowing they're going to get something in return. Yeah, I, I think, I think a part of it is consistency to be quite honest. And it's not consistency in the way that I think consistency is talk, spoken about in a very daunting way where it's like, if you don't get up every day and do this at this time, every single day, you will not be successful and someone <laughs> will outwork you, you know, and you're like, okay, great, Benjamin. Thank you for that. Uh, I am doing my best to get up every day at this time to do it, but it's just not working, you know? Yes. So thank you for that. But I, I think like, I think it's consistency in, in starting again, as often as you can, I've had to kind of reframe the way that I uh, look at things like consistency and, I think it's, it's not just putting out dope things. Like I think it's important to put out work that is true to you and that feels really dope. I think it's just the act mm. of getting to the point of releasing it because what ends up happening and, you know, I've gone through this, I went through this for years and eventually I, I learned how to push through fear. But I think that we want a certain level of certainty and we want to know what the outcome is going to be. And a lot of people are not able to push through their fear of failure because they don't know what's going to happen when the actual trick to it is that you have to become comfortable with not knowing that outcome because when you're actually just putting things out, you naturally start to get better and your consistency gets better. So like I remember years ago when I, I've, I've always had to really learn how to navigate my, my fears showing up and, um, and understanding that like fear doesn't show up to tell you to stop. It's just your brain trying to protect you. And I had to start studying it because I was like, man, I, I see these artists that are just putting out albums and just putting out music and just going to these things. But I was the artist that was like, oh my God, I had an album once for two years and I had to put it out because my funder was like, look, you got to put it out. <laughs> that was the only reason I put it out. But I naturally, I naturally for a really long time, although I feel like I'm at a point now where like I'm solid going on stage, I understand how to navigate my vocals and where my strengths are. Cause I've trained for so long. I wasn't always there. And I would just meet these people who maybe didn't have as much training or didn't have, you know, as much experience as me just going for it. And I would always have to overthink it. So, but I think the process of simply accepting that failing is a part of getting better and failing is a part of consistency and trusting that like, you know, this week you might only be able to show up two or three times, but maybe a year ago you were only able to show up once or maybe a year ago you weren't able to even put out a project or you weren't able to write music as fluidly. And I, I also, I feel like I, a good example is, you know, these 21 day challenges, people are like, it takes 21 days to build a habit. Yeah. And 
And it's like, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, and we always notice that at a certain point in the process, we just don't want to keep going or, or something in us is telling us to stop or self-sabotaging. But if you just remember that you can start again at any point, then you just take the pressure off. And now when I try to do 21 day challenges, maybe I get through 17 days of it. But a long time ago, I was only able to get through maybe like half of that. So mm. I think like one is just compassion to ourselves. I think we're way too hard on judging ourselves when we confront fear and when it shows up in our lives and comparing, you know, what we're doing to other people. And second, it's just like getting better at building fear into the process of releasing what you have and doing your best and then trusting that on the other side of that you can't control what's going to happen but the things are going to happen is if you just take a risk and bet on yourself right right no that's that's a great point it actually reminds me of something i've heard some say artist crit critics and uh other folks say and i don't know if this is along the lines of what you're thinking but it's almost like being okay with putting out quote unquote bad work uh as long as you're producing because ultimately i mean you may think it's bad but it might not actually be bad but it's just the idea of continuing to at least show up for yourself and being okay with not being your perfect self at all times but you're 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 here um yeah yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I like I 100% agree. And it's just like, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, right. So it's like, I look back, you know, at even performances, and I was like, who let me wear that? And who <laughs> let me sing that song? Like, why was anyone supporting this? Um, and now I'm like, Oh, this is insane. But then it was good to me. And so it's like, always in hindsight, you're gonna find things that are better. But that's, that's kind of just like human nature, you know, so. Yeah. Right. And that's almost a good thing, because then it shows your growth um so yeah, yeah. so yeah. uh your some of your songs uh i caught some bible references and some uh references to forgiveness and not sure and showing up to church in a not as perfect state <laughs> um is religion a part of your creative process I'd say spirituality is. Um, I grew up in religious spaces, so I, I definitely, like, I my foundation is rooted in religion, but I've moved more so over to spirituality in that, um, yeah, like, a lot of my music was inspired by, you know, being in the church for the times that I was, listening to a variety of different types of music, but also I think my writing comes from a space of, I talk a lot about things like forgiveness and um, authenticity and vulnerability and courage. And so, mm. yeah, but also like the, the other sides of what happens when you grow up in a space where people tell you that you can't, can't be human and your imperfections <laughs> are, you know, punished and <laughs> just like very unproductive, but uh, the way of the land. So I, I feel like once upon a time, it used to be like, I don't know. I went through like a huge like internal struggle with trying to like battle the the biblical version of yourself where you grow up and you're told that this is right and this is wrong by people who are just doing all, all the things that aren't really correct but still judging you for the fact that you're not doing it correct. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know, it's 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 one it's it's kind of hilarious that we go into um environments where we know that these things are not all okay 
but the idea of shame and things like that are so ingrained in us that we just we don't really know any better so I don't know I feel like that was a workaround but religion has been um a, a part of my struggle and a part of my growth and I think spirituality and transitioning from being religious to just being spiritual and uh, has allowed me to have like a level of faith in everything that I do and a level of trust um, in myself, but also has allowed me to just like be so honest with, with topics like religion and topics yeah. like forgiveness. So. No, I, I feel, I, I, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. It's uh, I mean, there are pros and cons to, to all of it and good things and a lot of seriously problematic things uh, with it. So I mean, I'm at a point too in my 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 journey, I guess you could say, where I like to put pick pull out the things that I feel are are uh, useful in my life and beneficial to me, and I lay aside the things that that I don't agree with and and leave them there. Um, and congrats, that's that's awesome. I feel like it takes a lot to get to that point, so that's huge. Yeah, it it does. I I mean, I. I I used to be like really scared in my like late teens, even early twenties to some extent about perceptions of people and per all these kind of things. But you know, now I'm just like I I really don't care. I just I I I have a good sense of what I believe is right and what I believe is wrong and whatever. Um. <laughs> I feel like that's the win though you know it's I, I think the win isn't getting to a point it, it a part of it is like not really worrying too much about people's perception of you that's a huge thing but getting to the point where you decide and you can pick and choose I feel like is, is a big win because I think that a lot of people grow up in places like the church and they never learn how to think for themselves like I I've always been a fan of uh, and I, I'm always like, whenever I've talked about religion in any capacity, I'm always like, uh oh, there are going to be a couple <laughs> of people on here that, know, are gonna, that are going to just take this the wrong way. And we're like, sorry, okay, folks. Yep, Patty and Iris, I'm sorry, but you just still need to listen and you need to just process this as well. Um, I think that we should be put in rooms and in places where when things don't make sense, questions can be asked and people can answer them. And when there aren't answers, I don't think that should challenge people to get angry. I feel like that that's like a very particular scenario, but I have like, you know, been to churches where they were more faith-based and it was more about having conversations. And when a little kid put up their hand and were like, this doesn't make any sense. Can you explain it? You know, the pastor wasn't like, sit down, George, go to, you know, <laughs> this is wrong versus like, and I'm, I'm the best with just a random name. So please bear with me as I just come up with them. But sure. I, I, I really appreciate environments where you can ask questions and people can give you answers. And that that's one of the things that I feel like is a little bit void in certain religious spaces. It's like religion is a beautiful thing. Um, I think the world and certain people in the world have found a way to use it to divide. But when mm. you look at the base of religion and you look at like even the concept of just like, you know, faith is or imagination is kind of trusting in things that haven't happened yet or believing in your imagination and believing in things that haven't happened like those are the things that we actually need in order to succeed as artists like we have to be able to see the things that we want before they happen and to go after them without certainty we have to be able to love we have to be able to forgive we have to be able to trust people and we should do good onto other people like those are the things that are so important i just think that on the other side um there are certain spaces where there's like another another side of judgment 
of shame of this idea of like um, being people's savior or self-sacrificing. And when you kind of bring that into the real world and into the context of like, how does self-sacrificing and being selfless actually, actually help us? Like, I think it's important to learn how to give, but mm -hmm. I don't know if you can think of an aunt or a cousin or a parent that was just always giving too much. And, and, and then you look at where they are in their life and you're like, oh yeah, um, this isn't conducive. Like, one of my like good friends always used to talk to me about a spectrum where on one side there's selflessness and the other side there's selfishness. And if you're too far on the selflessness side, then you can't help people because you can't help yourself. And your life is probably falling apart because you're trying to help everyone else. And if you're too selfish, then you're not giving and you're not supporting others and you're taking and you're doing bad things. And so it's like, I, I love listening and being in spaces where it's like faith-based and where they're just talking about like inspiration and things that will allow us to kind of find that medium of giving and taking and mm. finding balance. But I think it's just that idea that we are often, we're often not in spaces where people are allowing us to kind of feel that it's just do this, do that, do this. And, and when you were just like, Oh, like I am choosing these things. I think that resonated because I feel like when I, decided that like I don't need to feel bad about the fact that I do not want to give $50 today <laughs> when I you know when I was young and starting my first part-time job and it was like donate and give $50 like who's gonna give $50 when I made $50 on my check like this makes no sense let's right. just question these things I'm going off on a rant but <laughs> where are we now <laughs> this is where we are no no I feel that I feel that um but like you know that thing you said about you know giving um you know, uh, to the point of, you know, selflessness, selflessness versus selfishness. I mean, if you think about the airplane analogy where they tell you to put your, you know, air, your oxygen mask on first before you put it on your, your own kids, like, because you can't, you can't help the kid if you're unconscious yourself. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it just, it, I, I have witnessed it and I wonder also too if it's a very um patriarchal problem too because the majority of people I've seen experience that have been women uh so I find I found that interesting too like where yeah people are have given and given and given to the point that they are now left broken and and uh there's it's hard to to convince them to look out for their their own self-interest yeah i mean and and that's i i think that's just what it is is it's like whether we're talking about music we're talking about relationships we're talking about being in church it's just writing like you just can't when you try to apply some of these ideas they just don't work and they end up just doing so much to us so I think that that's kind of one of the the most beautiful parts of coming out of a, a religious background is that you really do learn when you do the work to take the good parts of it and to leave, you know, the other stuff there, but yeah. also like topics like forgiveness is just forgiveness has been such a big part of my journey as an artist, like self forgiveness, forgiveness of others, understanding how to like let go and how to surrender and how to trust the process and how to um, accept that we are just human beings. And even even when we're at our lowest point or we've made our biggest mistakes, we're not a failure. We just did an act in which we failed at a particular thing. And I listened to a lot of Brene Brown. She's just like so incredible. And she talks a lot about vulnerability and courage, but understanding the difference between 
guilt and shame mm. and that guilt is I did this thing badly or I, you know, I am not good with this thing or sorry, I did this thing badly versus shame is I am a bad person. Yeah. And so it's, you know, like those kinds of things have just allowed me even being an artist and having to go into spaces and having to get up every day and show up and be online and make mistakes and be in relationships and try my best to do what I can. It's like once upon a time, I would have just been like, you know, I am bad at this or I'm a bad person or I am not smart, but it's like, no, you're very smart. You just don't know this thing. And like those differences, when we learn them, they just really help us again, go back to this whole idea of like being human and what it is to be human. And I think that that's what uh, my last project queen Dom chapter one was just about like taking off the mask and, and, and I'm just going to apologize for the fact that I'm imperfect in relationships. And I do things that I mean, aren't the best, but I'm still a loving and caring person. I just sometimes do actions that make me human. Or one of my songs, Save Me, talks a lot about just um, needing saving and wanting to be saved, but not knowing if you're worthy of it. And and I think that that's the kind of music that I kind of that I kind of write that's been inspired by growing up in places like the church, where it's not just about like, oh, Lord, Jesus, like, I, I wish I could just be a gospel singer. Actually, no, I don't wish that. There are, there's a place, <laughs> there's a place for gospel singers and I love them so much. Um, but I think um, out of like inspiration from gospel or out of inspiration just from life, it's like taking, um, taking lessons and being able to turn them into just experiences that allow us to be more human and more honest with ourselves or kind of what I want to create and, and how I want to continue to work as an artist. So, right, right, right. So speaking of that, like, uh, you know, in Airbrush, you talk about uh, the morning of Photoshop, you and edit you and all that kind of stuff. Um, how does, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the, the production side, the visual production side of the industry? Um, sometimes I just don't know, to be quite honest, you know, because it's like, I know a lot of people that are putting out work and music that's reflective of themselves and they love it. And some of them are on tables doing what they want to do. Others are, are not. And hmm. I, I think that it's just the industry. It's like, so long as you're doing what makes you happy and you have a say in, in who you are and what you're putting out in the world, I think that that that's, what's most important. I, I would never want to judge anyone or anything but I, I do think that there are a lot of artists coming out right now that are just themselves and you can really see it in their work. And, you know, there's always things and decisions that you have to make creatively as to who you want to be and what you want to portray. But there's a lot more music coming out where people are just like, oh, yeah, I look this way and I sound this way. And that's just what it is. So I think that so long as you're intentional about what what your image is I think that that's what's important and so long as you're happy with that I think that that's also um really important right right so it's more like the uh, the authenticity side like for instance if if you're the type of person that that is about the glam then that's that's where your artistry is and that's what that's that's authentic to you exactly like I, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to do anything it's like there are days where people want to show up with lashes and all the things. And it's like, yes, this looks great. And mm -hmm. I love it. And where, what you need to, how you need to, in whatever way, I think the main thing is just 
is this who you want to be? And, and you have to live with that. And that's what's really, really important. And I admire artists that are coming up and are saying, I don't want to be this. I just want to be this. And I'm going to be accepted by the fans at will. And I also admire other artists that need a, a huge video set and need <laughs> need all, you know, 15 dancers and need a basketball net and a basketball court and twerking on it. You know, it's like, do your thing. Because that's, that's an art form. It's just it's so long as you're picking it. And I, I really admire artists that get to have a say in the creative vision and are getting to be a part of it and are getting to ensure that like their voice is a part of that. And I think that that's like what's really important to me. So. Right. So are you uh, currently independent or are you signed? I am independent. I am an indie artist. Yeah. So, so you're independent. And I, I seen that you have like deals with L'Oreal and dove and and did all the like tedx talks and you, you performed at uh world aids day in uganda like so as, as you're obviously like getting your grind on um how how has it been like as an independent artist to to build these type of relationships and get these sort of things moving um well, my mom taught me a really valuable lesson as she was like, you can learn all the tricks in the book and you can, um, you know, try to do things the way that other people do, but like never underestimate the value of kindness and of just real and honest connection. And I just think that that's, I don't, <laughs> that's really all that I've ever done with, with any opportunity that I've gotten. Mm. Um, Jordan, Jordan Evans, uh, he's amazing. He was a part of Daniel Caesar's team and getting him to where he is. And he talks about major label problems and indie and indie problems. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. there's, there's no one side where it's easier. If you're on a major label, you're dealing with major label problems. If you're independent, you're dealing with indie problems. And I would just say that I show up in spaces and I just really, I really work on my energy and, um, putting good things out and, um, that's what's just allowed a lot of doors to open. And I always tell people like, they're like, what's the secret? Like, how did you do a Ted talk when you were only like 20? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was kind to people and, and people who eventually got into positions who could make decisions to remember that I was kind to them and, and asked me to be a part of things. And I also work, you know, really smart and really hard. So it's been a lot. It's been a really great process. It's been a lot of, you know, hard work. It's been a lot of um, self-development. I remember the L'Oreal partnership. Uh, we, we, how long did it take us? We closed that in maybe three days after kind of getting that and then having to be ready for, for a major event. And the event that we did with them, for example, was with the cast of how to get away with murder. Mm. And, all of the major players in entertainment in the industry were a part of that as well too. They had a major event um, at the Fairmont hotel. And so like when you're dealing with beauty partnerships or partnerships with big brands, I mean, the people behind the brands are just human beings that are trying to do a really good job. Um, but then you also have to remember that it's like, we have to show up and we have to remember that we're supposed to be there. So those are the kinds of things where it's like you can get a really big opportunity and you could just blow it if you don't feel that you're worthy of that opportunity. And I, um, I was like, I was very eccentric growing up, but I was definitely a shy kid. And it took me a while to be able to accept that like opportunities come your way because you're supposed to have them and being grateful for them and being accepting, but also putting the intention out and working toward them. And I'm just a firm believer that literally anything's possible. Um, I, 
have the weirdest stories about manifesting like meeting people <laughs> and um I do this like visualization exercise where like I imagine myself on stage in a room with a bunch of people filled in the audience and the first two rows are really prominent people that I know one day will be a part of my team or that I'll work with and mm. so I remember going to Afropunk uh I used to just go down there and volunteer because I didn't know anyone in New York at the time. And I was like, I'm going hustle. So I would go volunteer, just meet people. And I was for whatever reason drawn to uh, a stage because Jadena was performing and I'm like standing in the audience and I literally just see Janelle Monet walking toward me. No. And I'm like, what in the name of the <laughs> Lord Jesus? Um, <laughs> So that's kind of an example and getting to like have a conversation and to talk and connect with um, someone that I've like imagined and visualized working with. And that I really like, I think we have a lot of similarities artist wise, but I didn't have like a big manager connect me with her. I didn't have like a label connect me with her. It was literally trusting that I was supposed to be at a music festival volunteering and being in the right space and being prepared to ask questions honestly and to not be too nervous during the process and so I just think as artists it's like there's so many opportunities out there but we miss a lot of them because we just don't believe that we were worthy and I always use that example because it's like if I was too nervous to be able to just have a grounded conversation with her she might not have actually taken the time to have a meaningful conversation like she just I remember her saying your energy is so great and Wow. I can completely understand. And, you know, I just wanted to learn a bit about the industry from her, you know? So yeah, like that's an example. I just, I work hard. I am just really kind to people and I just say thank you a lot. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Things align. And um, yeah, but it's been a great journey. Um, it's been a really great journey. Like Uganda, I actually went to school in Uganda for my third year. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so I got invited back to do World AIDS Day because of the kind of community work and some of the work that I did with women there while I was still like a little, a little teeny bop and um, <laughs> traveling the world and stuff. And so uh, that's just another, I guess, another thing. But being on stage in front of 40,000 people um, is uh, like, it's a lot and <laughs> it's very daunting. But uh. I... I think of experiences like that and it just reminds me of why I do what I do and why I want to continue doing it because there's just, there's an impact and there's a moment at every show where you're just like, Oh yeah, all of the work it's like for this and it's worth it. So, so, okay. So what's, what's more nerve wracking uh, like performing for 40,000 or like 20 people? Hmm. I, I mean, I'd say 40, <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. I also love whenever I have really intimate shows with people, I, I think I connect most in intimate settings Okay. with, with big shows. Actually, I can meet, meet the energy and get up there. But uh, I've always learned that you do the best shows on major stages when you, when you make yourself feel like you're connecting with individual people in the audience. So I, I'd almost say that, you do better at a really big show when you understand how to connect with a smaller audience, because the, when you're at a, sh a big show and you are making it seem like there's so many people watching you, 
it takes away the moments that individual people are having, right? There's so many people there mm. and each person like wants to feel like they had an experience with the audience. So I actually like derive a lot of my inspiration from being able to do well on larger stages from like, okay, cool. Um, there's someone over there that has a camera. Um, make sure that you find a moment with them so that they can mm. take that and post it and feel connected. Uh, and it's just creating a bunch of little moments. So I think that they're kind of connected. 40,000 people, though, is very nerve-wracking. It's very <laughs> daunting. And uh, it also rained right before that show. And uh. if you have never experienced a rainstorm in Uganda, then you are in for a treat. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, the monitors blew out. Oh. So, <laughs> in addition to having to uh, do a large show for the first time, those are the moments when you really have to rely on your training because it's like you can't hear yourself and you have to go on stage and you have like a Grammy award winner that's really getting ready to perform after. So if you decide you don't want to do this, you won't get this opportunity again. Right. And so those are the moments where you're like, oh yeah, when people are like, oh, I don't need to do vocal training. I want to work on my authentic voice. It's like, get a vocal trainer, learn how to master your voice <laughs> and make sure that you understand how to use it. So, because you're going to have moments where you really need it. So, you know what? That's so funny. You say that because I mean, especially in the social media era, be, like people are waiting for moments to catch you slipping and, and have you be off key or, or something like that. So I, I think that's a, I've, I've thought about that too. Like, um, you know, whether or not it's worth it to get training or whatever the case. And this is in painting and whatever, whatever your artistic, whatever it is. But in, in that case, in a situation like that, like, yeah, you could really get caught out if you don't know what you're doing. I, and it's like, like, I, because I, I uh, work with a lot of younger artists and a lot of them are like, I don't want a vocal coach to, to change me. And I'm like, Brenda, what? Here's another random name. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I look all eight of them, but I'm like, what are you talking about? If you were an athlete, would you just expect to train on your own for your whole life in order to go to the Olympics? If you were um, an engineer, would you just expect to learn engineering on your own? And I think that people treat the arts as something different. Mm -hmm. um you have to you like and there are a lot of people who just have natural talent so i, I sure. don't ever want to knock that and they can't afford to get a vocal coach so that i think that's a huge thing too and if but you I can would just, yeah. yeah if you can if you you know but i i also just think that it's like in order to get your best all of the biggest artists they eventually had someone come on board to help them be their best but mm -hmm. like before before there's a point you brought up is yeah people can be terrible online like we're in such a weird cancel culture where everyone feels entitled to to judge you for I'm sorry, I have a give me one second. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, perfect. Um yeah, I feel like people feel so entitled to being able to decide or judge you and that's the thing it's like even on tiktok i have an amazing tiktok following like they're just so wonderful i go on some people's pages and i'm like oh my goodness but i have like i have a community of people that if someone writes a crazy comment on my wall my followers will just come for them and they'll just be like oh. go away like no one has time for you yeah so i i feel like i've been able to foster a really positive environment but it's just like you're not creating the content you're not spending hours 
creating these videos and putting them up on stage and you have the audacity to come on my page and tell me that I need to go get go do this or this isn't good enough I have learned that if you are not creating and you're not doing things on an equal level like you don't have a say like and that's where I'm at I'm at my life like my fans are really important to me and my fans will give me feedback like hey Dom this is really good but just want to let you know that I, I think you could have done this better that's mm-hmm. very different than a troll coming along and saying you know you should have done your hair like this or or yeah, this yeah. You know, it's like, go away. So I don't know. But we are in a cancel culture where I feel like people are always just trying to wait to catch you for something. And it's a little exhausting. But then I feel like you can just you have to really focus on the people who like enjoy and appreciate what you're creating so that that other side of things doesn't take you down. So, right, right. Uh, I agree with that. So um, I want to jump back to the continent real quick. I've never been anywhere in Africa before. Have you been um, outside of Uganda? I did a tour in South Africa and uh, I did a U.S. and then a South African tour um, oh, yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. So in, in August, I was in South Africa. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely something. I mean, you will go because I'm putting that out into the universe <laughs> in 2023 for you. As an okay, intention. thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, the continent is amazing. I mean, every country, as with anywhere in the world, is very, very different. I think Uganda is is very, very fast-paced, and it's mm. slightly different than... I mean, it also depends on what part you're in. Like, if you're going to Kampala, which is the main city, it's just very chaotic all the time. If you're going north, which is the rural areas, it's a little more peaceful. Mm. Um, South Africa is incredible, but South Africa has a very, very deep history that you have to really be prepared for when you're going there. Right. Uh, and then they have lots of incredible artists and music that's coming out of there, too. So, But you definitely, when you get there, it's like, oh, it's amazing. It's just, I think that as like a person of color going to a place... Well, I have, I have a funny story. So um, two of my friends that I met when I was in South Africa, um, <laughs> I have to stop laughing at my own jokes. Sometimes I think I'm funny and I'm like, no one knows what you're laughing about yet. <laughs> but um, they are white South African. And this is the epitome of my experience in Canada versus going to anywhere on the continent. Yeah. Um, so they, they got here and just got their permanent residency and they were filling out a questionnaire. And the questionnaire said like, um white caucasian it had a bunch of different categories and then it it got to african canadian (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) elon that the african-american shit (laughs) and so they they were like oh amazing like how did i don't like are there other south africans here that are permanent canadian citizens (laughs) and they went and brought in their census form and the person was like (laughs) (laughs) and was like you need to fix this like this is not what it is so so that is um I think that that's just like such a core and a good example of what it's like when you're going to another place and you're navigating it where it's just like here you know you're tied to an identity because we all have a connection to the continent but when you actually get there you're you know in, in Uganda growing up there I was like a black artist living there and people thought I was Ugandan but knew that I was from the west and so they were mm-hmm. just like oh this person like clearly like lost their culture like there was just a confusion and an expectation and I think there's one on both sides so I just I think that all of our experiences and with all of our experiences we have to be so critical about what we go in with because even going to somewhere like South Africa, I had a very specific assumption about what it was going to be like getting there. And then I had to like, I had a rude awakening with privilege and, 
being, you know, a woman of color, but from Canada and an artist and going into spaces and being really aware of the, the types of interactions that I was having. And so it's just like, it's really, really amazing, but you have to also like really, really check yourself when you go to particular places. Um, but on the other side, it's just so beautiful. Like South Africa is such a beautiful place. Cape Town is incredible. Johannesburg's incredible. Um, I think more than anything and beyond the complications of identity, it's like you want to get there because you just will have such a beautiful experience with realizing that like we live on a planet where you can wake up and look at parts or look out your window and see things that you see in places like South Africa. So I really mm -hmm. hope you got to go. I think you will absolutely love it. And the food is so good. So that okay. is, that is it. Yeah. And I, I haven't really eaten any African food. That's the other crazy crazy thing so i keep hearing about jollof rice and all these other things i'm like i i gotta i gotta i gotta experience my people's uh things <laughs> yeah i think jollof there's and there's so many i think jollof is i know ganyan because my i had a like one of my best friends growing up her parents were ganyan so they used to make us um jollof rice but then i think uh. there's also a nigerian form of it if i'm not mistaken but i'm pretty sure anyway there's just like a lot of different types of african food i don't know them all yet but i am uh. hoping that i will get to travel more and eat more and enjoy well, those experiences i'll put that out there for you too like man <laughs> manifestation and uh yeah back to the continent and trying new new foods Yes. <laughs> so um another question random are you a blurred i don't know what that means oh uh the black black nerd community like oh uh, so like you know how like the stereotype is that black people can't be nerds because they always have to be cool or whatever so there's this online community called blurreds that's amazing. I've never heard of this. Oh, okay. I see that you're you're into the cosplay thing and you you had a pretty cool like uh, Thanos and <laughs> and uh, I was I was just wondering if if like cosplay is a thing you do or is that just like a, a Halloween thing? Cosplay is a thing that I do. It's just very expensive. So oh, okay. <laughs> I love I love cosplay. Um if I had it my way, I would do cos cosplay like every day, all day. Um it's just with my schedule, the the times when I get to really schedule it is during Halloween and I do a lot of costumes. With that being said, I will be doing a lot more cosplay this year. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I've just always loved, I love characters. I just am that kind of person. And I literally am like a Marvel DC fan. I love superheroes and I just love transforming into things. So I am like always, I'm always down for a good cosplay. And I feel like, I feel like my cosplay and my Halloween costumes, I'm a really intense Halloween person. Like when I go to a party, I'm like, do not invite me to a Halloween party unless you want a full, <laughs> like I'm not showing up with a little tail and, and cat ears. I did that for half of my life when I wasn't allowed to do Halloween because I was, I grew up in a religious home. Right, um, right. <laughs> now I'm like, I will show up as someone or something. So you prepare yourself. So I love Halloween parties, but I also <laughs> have my friends. I'm like, don't invite me to a Halloween party unless it's like a real Halloween party, you know? Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> and yeah, like I saw, like you did. I've seen your costumes. You you take them to the next next level. What do you what do you think about the DC universe collapsing? The DC cinematic universe, I should say. Um, 
it's kind of emotional, mm. <laughs> I guess. But um, I don't know how I feel right now. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. How do you feel about it? You know, uh, I'm I'm into the comic stuff too, and I as much as people hated on the DC movies, I don't think they were trash. I was just always kind of rooting for them, like hoping they'd find their stride and. And I was looking forward to seeing how they came together. Uh, and now it's just not going to happen. Uh, so it's a little disappointing, to be honest. And I don't know. And I, I don't know how I feel about Black Adam. Did you see Black Adam? No, I haven't seen Black Adam. Uh, okay, so I won't put any spoilers out there. But it's it's like, yeah, just to find out, like, all of these things probably aren't going to happen. I was like, ah, oh, man. Oh, well. Uh, I, so I'm someone with, with movies and shows and series where I just want you to tell me what's going to happen at the end and oh. then I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it through. So I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that on here. Cause I don't want to spoil anything for people, but I am literally the person with any movie. I can get the ending and then rewatch the full movie and be content. Oh, it's be just cool. the, huh. I'd be cool. It's just like, I don't want to wait for this. It's too much suspense, you know? So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll put it this way. Like I'm not. I don't know the full like Black Adam storyline and I know it's supposedly related to Shazam and all of them. And I, you know, all the, all the people that I read about have said that basically the rock jumped the line in terms of the storyline. And he's trying to just basically set up a Superman versus Black Adam fight. And, you know, but that's never going to happen now. So, yeah. I mean, is super, Superman and Black Adam, are they on that level though? Like, this is a you know and that's the thing like superman is there's just no one no one touching superman really so i don't know yeah i just it, it's like okay that's cute like i think that's <laughs> great i love i love the rock and i i'm like all for this but it's just like in the whole like verse it's like superman is like at the top of a hierarchy it's like superman batman spider-man black panther there's there's certain characters that you're like oh yeah these these guys are booked and busy you know <laughs> if you yeah. were to bring them into like i just i i wouldn't i don't know out of all the movies created i don't know that i would see a superman black adam like a fight being at the center i i, I feel like i'd want a million and one other characters to be fighting superman with that being said I haven't watched the Black Adam movie, so I don't mm -hmm. want to judge it. I just. Right. I like, yeah. Like other people were saying it should have been like Black Adam versus Shazam, like that sort of thing they should have set up with and then like work up to Superman. Like, you know, like you don't just mm -hmm. get Superman right away, you know, but that's, that's a the lot. Rock. That's the rock trying, trying to do that, I think. I, I guess. And it's like, good for you. Like go after what you think you're worth. It's just like, if I, I just don't, I Superman is like, oh, as a child, you like Superwoman, Superman. It's Superman's like at the top of the hierarchy. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that, but you know, do your do your thing. And if it works, it works. But I'm just saying, if I were Superman, I wouldn't be fighting anyone. I'd be like, listen, I've put my time into this world. I'm just chill and fly around and look great in this spandex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you watch the boys at all? I started watching The Boys, okay. um, and I didn't finish it, but I feel like I literally saw an ad for it today, and I was like, I need to, I need to start watching this again. Except I also have banned myself from Netflix. I'm not allowed to pick up any new series because oh. the holidays turned me into a binge watcher again. And mm. so, or I think is is it on Netflix or what is it on? Uh, it's on Amazon. 
Amazon. I have, yeah, I have way too many streaming platforms, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched the most updated um, episodes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And they filmed that in Toronto, actually. Right? I've heard this. I've heard. Yeah. 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 So what would you say is like the biggest challenge in your uh, pursuit of a music career? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think the industry is changing a lot. You know, it's uh, it's not just about talent anymore. It's about being seen and getting creative and figuring out ways to get your music heard. So, I think for like a lot of artists, it's just making sure your music's getting heard. You know, because you can put out a great project and a great record and you know get a ton of streams and have a bunch of new fans um but it's not always as heard or it's not reaching as many people as you as you want it to so i think it's mainly just getting music heard you know to the people that really matter and um i feel like that's kind of the the role of like indie artists i feel like for most of us we're all just like okay cool like this did well here how can we you know reach more people in better ways and um and just really staying up to, to par with like the amount of content and stuff that has to be produced. It's a little demanding. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So if um, folks are listening to Queen Dom chapter one and two, like what, are, what are, what do we expect when we to, to what we expect to get out of it when we listen to it? Them, I, um, I think it's just a, a journey. I think you're going to get a, a journey from, trying to figure out who I am to just claiming and owning all that I am. And um, yeah, I think it's just the journey to claiming your crown and being human and whatever that means for everyone, for anyone, it's the, the journey to letting go the journey to like loving who you are, to accepting your imperfections, to understanding how to forgive, to um, realizing that you're just like actually so powerful in everything that you are and that everything that you need is already inside. It's just a matter of like owning that. I think it's the journey to claiming your crown and accepting your humanism and accepting and stepping into your power. Mm. So is that, is that Dom supposed to be like a double meaning, like dominatrix or just your name? <laughs> it's so interesting. I, I'd say it's my name. <laughs> I'm curious as to why, why dominatrix was, uh, what was the option there? But my name is Dominique, so it's definitely like uh, my, my nickname is Dom. Okay. And and the project's called it's Queen Dom. It's a spin on Queendom. So right. No, because when you're like <laughs> yeah. talking about claiming your power and blah blah blah, I automatically thinking, hmm, okay, yeah, someone in control, someone, uh, someone powerful. Yeah, okay, Dom, a Dom. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's very fair. That's a that's a fair um, interpretation. Um, I'd say, yeah, it's like if that's who you are, then claim your power in that space. But I, I think um, I'm I'm not a dom, so uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, Dominique. Like growing up, I've been I was called Dom. It's just a short form for Dominique. So it's uh, Queen is is more so just kind of like the other side of um, being honest and more vulnerable and. Uh, really like understanding how to accept like being imperfect and really how to accept our flaws and really stepping into like that space. And I, I'd say Dom is me. It's, it's more so about like 
positivity and upliftment and girl power and yeah all that good stuff in between right and you got a lot of like positive girl power type anthems uh on there i would say too i mean the short eps but like it, I, it feels like very positive uplifting sort of music yeah i create like pop soul i create i don't know music that makes you want to sing along i think i don't intentionally mean for it to be positive i just naturally come like write. i write pop music so uh-huh. that's kind of <laughs> it just happens that way it just happens that way yeah, yeah. i think i'm generally on the positive side of things but i think i think queen though isn't really like that i'll that ep is a little darker and yo yes for sure yeah but and i guess probably because uh i listened to uh a dom more i think so that could be what's um shifting my my uh statement yeah no i mean also you're free to receive and interpret however you'd like so Mm -hmm. uh, cool that makes a ton of sense and and yeah is there a song or i guess anything that you took from the album yeah uh i (laughs) i can't get the the hook for the um the uh, airbrush one out of out of my head i keep singing that to myself oh uh, but yeah. i do think um uh, what was the first one on queen i think that one kind of stood out for me oh uh, save me save me yeah i really like that one um and then like the 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 first one on uh uh dom too where it's like it, it feels a little more aggressive, I would say. Oh, Queendom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was very fun to... I worked with Darrell the Young on that. He's uh, doing really well production-wise, so... Nice, nice. Yeah, and you worked with, um like, for choreography and stuff, you worked with uh, some, some pretty, pretty established names in the industry. Yeah, Leon. Leon's the main person that I worked with on this project. So he's kind of worked with just people. And he's worked with some really amazing artists from like Ariana to Britney and um, Janet Jackson. And he's just like a friend of mine. But um, yeah, man, he just creates really great stuff. And it, it's always like wonderful to be in that space and to get to sing and dance and to be extra creative. So, yeah. but it's also a lot of work. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. Like, were you a dancer before you uh, started singing, or did it just sort of come with the territory? I feel like I grew up doing all the things. Like, I grew up singing and dancing. I was in theater. I was in dance classes. My mother just put me in all the extracurriculars, so hmm. I grew up like naturally always dancing. And I didn't do it professionally, but I did it enough to not have many issues with being able to. Uh, learn choreography and and perform and so but nice uh, love me a good good dance routine nice nice so uh how do people find you online oh actually how do people get the album what and and, uh the ep i should say the the double ep and uh what else um do you have any other things coming up that people should look out for yeah, I mean, the EP streaming everywhere. So anywhere that you can stream it, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Amazon, 
it's in all of the platforms um and then you can also like go to my website to purchase a double ep or you can um you know get it online and then uh this year is a big one we have some really cool announcements coming up which i i have to wait uh, like just a slight a bit longer to announce but i will be in many really amazing places and doing some really dope collaborations so i'm really excited uh to get to just tour a lot this year and to kind of really um bring the ep to new places and to get to work with some really incredible humans Sweet, sweet, sweet. So uh, what's the uh, URL for your website and how do people, like, what's your social media handles and all that good stuff? Yeah, my website is dominiquegrant.com. So it's D-O-M-A-N-I-Q-U-E-G-R-A-N-T.com. And then um, everything's pretty much underneath that. I'm under Grant on Instagram, which is D-O-M-A and then Grant. And everything else is under Dominique Grant. You can find me pretty easily. Sweet. So Queen yeah. Dom, uh, thank you very much for the interview. It was uh, nice to chat with you and good luck with everything. You too. Thank you so much for having me and to the best intentions for this year and getting you onto the continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yes, I will do it. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.